on the power of prayer and fasting. We love you. Oh Lord, we love you. Thank you. So last week we laid a very important foundation. And uh, one key thing that we said was that there was no relevant man in the history of the Bible, in the history of the early church, and in the history of Christianity that never knew and practiced fasting and prayer. No new age teaching can ever replace this mysterious yet revealed truth in the scriptures. Fasting is too powerful. Without fasting and prayer, you have no ministry. Without fasting and prayer, your words will be mere words. Without fasting and prayer, your business will fluctuate. And it will be lived by predictions and hope. Whichever ministry you find yourself in, without fasting and prayer, I'm sorry, you're going to have a hard time prevailing. Last week I was asking that who is to fast? Because many a times many Christians feel that fasting is for pastors or those who are called into ministry. That's the worst theology a man can believe. If you are a believer who continuously has thoughts of death, thoughts of failure, all kinds of thoughts that are inconsistent with the word of God, always going through your mind, man, you've got to get some fast. If you've got lust lingering within you, you tried several times, it's not working. Before you start with the word and prayer, go into a fast. I'm going to teach you what it means to be on a fast. You find yourself talking too much. You say all kinds of things before you realize things you're not supposed to say. You, you begin to say them. You've tried several times before you realize you're just talking. Go on a fast. You have an anger problem? Go on a fast. You begin to covet the properties of the saints. You see unbelievers who are wealthy. You go to God in prayer and tell God that God, why is it that the unbelievers who don't believe in you, who don't believe you are making more money than we Christians? It is actually covetousness. Because God never called any saint to possess. We are only stewards. Leave the world. Let them enjoy their riches. We are only passing through this world. And we'll take nothing with us. That's what the New Testament teaches. We came in with nothing. The only thing we carry along with us is our spiritual investments. 
you have a problem with pride you got to go on a fast because fasting will deal with you you realize that you become so lukewarm in your Christian life all of a sudden for two months you have not prayed you don't feel anything for two months you have not studied the word of God man you are in trouble go on a fast because fasting will rekindle your spiritual hunger for God once again it will you have an addiction huh? you got to go on a fast and I'll tell you why soon you lose a very dear relative and it seems you can't take the pain anymore haven't you heard that the wife of a man dies and two months later the man also dies you don't know what it means to be in grief one thing that sustains a man in deep sorrow and grief is fasting it will recover you it will recover you quickly your business is collapsing you don't understand go on a fast you've been having strong dimensions of fear in your heart you just begin to panic all of a sudden you begin to have demonic dreams seeing all kinds of things chasing you go on a fast and I'll tell you why you have dryness in your spirituality man it's your spirituality that keeps you so if you are dry in spirituality you got to resuscitate it with fasting is the quickest medicine to restore a man is the quickest spiritual drug to restore a man and I'll tell you why last week we gave examples of men God used so greatly who were men of fasting and prayer maybe you might think they are all men of God but listen to me they are to be an encouragement to you that if these men of God experience this you might not be caused into the work of ministry directly to be a pastor but you can use the power of prayer and fasting to turn things around for God's glory time failed me to speak about great men like Bishop David Oyedipo he collapsed once on his pulpit because he was on a fast consistently it was said of him that one time he fasted to an extent that he began to stew blood I'm not saying do that because I'm going to come to the guidelines of fasting but I'm just telling you the sacrifices men have paid for what they are enjoying and walking in today prophet is a man of fasting He's past 50, yet always on a fast. A man who is always on a fast, I'm going to come there, hardly gets sick, hardly get, gets wrinkled faces. You hardly grow because you are always consistently in divine health. Dr. Paul Eneche, always on a fast. Apostle Johnson Suleiman, always on a fast. In fact, he went on a 19-day dry fast. And one time, when he came out from the fast, they were asking questions. He's trying to answer, and he answers in tongues. Because the Holy Ghost power took over his entire life. And I told you last week that the Bible tells us Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. When he received the Holy Ghost in 
the Matthew 4 and Luke 4, the Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost. Yet when he was driven to the wilderness and he overcame the temptation after the 40 days fasting, the Bible says he went in the power of the Spirit. So you can be full of the Spirit and not go in the power of the Spirit. It was after the fast, the Bible tells us Jesus went in the power of the Spirit. For your information, Jesus was made the Christ when the Holy Ghost entered him. So his name changed from Jesus to Jesus the Christ. The word Christ means anointed or the anointed one and his anointing. The anointed one who was filled with the Holy Ghost went on a fast to be anointed. And he won't fast. The anointing himself went on a fast to be anointed. When God found himself as a man, he fasted. God found himself as a man, he fasted. No believer can survive in divine strength without a fast and a prayer life. I'm telling you this. You can bet anywhere. I heard of a man called Mahesh Chabda. You can go and check up on him. He was on a fast consistently for 22 years. He fasted 40 days twice in a year and 21 days twice in a year. So he fasts 40 days twice, 21 days twice in every year for 22 years. And time will fail me to talk about the testimonies that accompanied his ministry. I can't tell you the miraculous testimonies that accompanied his ministry. Listen, the kingdom of God is not talk, it's power. I'm telling you. There's one Indian man called Sadhu Savaraj. Go and search up on him. A man with some long beard just like that. He has been on 40 days fast consistently every year. R.W. Shambach was interviewed at the age of around 80 something. He was still fasting. Most of the early church fathers and most of the current fathers who have passed away they started with fire and died with the fire. They were hungry from the beginning and died with that same hunger. That same potency of hunger. And this generation has failed. And I'll tell you why. A head of a forest trade businessman who is into forest trading. He was consistently on a fast anytime he's about to do online trading. Because when it comes to online stock and investment, it's a risk. So he'll be fasting consistently. He never failed any investment he did, no matter the risk. He never failed. So if a businessman applied this spiritual reality to his life and never failed in business, you cannot do away with fasting if you're a businessman. You can't. I heard of a businessman who always calls on a Friday fast for every worker. As long as he's paying you, you will fast every Friday. And the business short profits tripled in less than three years. I'm telling you, this thing we are talking about is power. And I will explain the spiritual science of fasting. Jehoshaphat was surrounded by five nations. And he realized that his strength was gone because his nation could not defeat five nations. He called a fast for the whole nation. The next day, after that 
three days fast. The whole thing turned around. So he fasted for God's intervention. He's telling you something about fasting. Eliezer was searching for a bride for Isaac. He had to fast for the bride. Are you looking for a bride? You got to fast. Hannah was looking for a child. The child was not coming. She went on a fast. She saw her baby. Nehemiah fasted to rebuild the broken walls of Jerusalem. Why do you need fasting to build? It's, it's, it doesn't make sense. This man fasted to build. Esther was under attack. They received a death warrant that all the Jews will be completely annihilated. And she called the men of Israel and the women and says, hey, guys, go on a fast without food, without water. In three days, the whole story turned around. And the one who wanted to kill them was killed. Man, there is something about fasting and prayer. I'm telling you. Nineveh was about to be killed and destroyed. The king heard the news and said, hey, everybody was on a fast, including animals. And judgment was averted on them. See, this thing I'm telling you is not receive your promotion. Receive your breakthrough. Many church members are used to those things. And many a times, we don't tell you the truth. It is not always receive. It is not always receive because there is a role you have to play. It is not everything the pastor declares. Declaration. No, it doesn't work that way. You have a role to play. And I will fail as a prophet if I don't tell you about this spiritual mechanism. The early church, you can go and check in the book of Acts 13. They fasted to appoint spiritual leaders on missions. They, they, they fasted. Now, even Jesus, after fasting, he appointed 12 disciples. And out of the 12, there was one devil. After the fast, though. So what happens when you don't fast? <laughs> after the fast. It's a mystery. The early church fasted to appoint leaders. You cannot be a leader without fasting. See, you can't be a spiritual leader, Bible study coordinator, evangelism secretary. You can't be it without a fast. I'm telling you the secret. You can't. You'll be frustrated. I heard of a man who fasted 29 days in the church auditorium. There was one secret room there. He entered there 29 days on a fast. When he came out, his face began to shine with a bright light and all the church members ran away home. You ran. They, they thought they had seen Jesus. It was one of their own members who decided to break the status quo and walk on the path of the Spirit. And by the grace of God, now I don't say this to boast. I don't say this to, 
make a name for myself because I'm still growing. But I feel that God has laid a burden on me to awaken a generation for himself. When I began my journey, I fasted one year, four months continuously. It was either six to six. The minimum I went was six to twelve. That one was just minute, unless maybe I was going to do something very big cross. And you can ask my family because everybody knows. Because my family couldn't stop me. Within the one year, four months, there were three days continuously. Seven days continuously. I will fast and walk to church because those times money doesn't come like, like that. Walk to church. Pray on the seven days fast. Go back home. And God was working. Let me tell you something. The moment you begin the journey of fasting, you might not see a single vision. You might not even sense the Holy Ghost. In fact, after fasting, that's the day you, you even begin to feel useless. But guess what? It is building. It's building. I'm telling you. Something is building on the inside. You will see it. But something will be changing. And you, you got to understand that fasting does not get God's attention on you. Fasting gets your attention on you. To realize your need for God. So, we don't, I, I, I'm trying to teach in a way that you don't get legalistic with it. Because you might enter into some spiritual gymnastics that will ruin your spirituality. I fasted on a three days dry several times. Seven days several times in this journey. In 2017, I went on a 21 days fast. The first week was only fruits, banana. Second week was only water. Third week was dry. And it was devastating. I wish I would tell you, please don't try this at home. Until your spiritual bones are okay. Because myself, when I came back, I swore to myself that I would never go on a 21 days fast again. But here am I. The first week, we didn't know the technicalities because nobody advised that. Para! We didn't know you have to take your time because the journey is long. Week two on water. Equally. Those times you were moving, mosquitoes were on the field when we were praying because we went to Eastern region. They would bite us, we just shake our leg like that. They bite us, we just move ourselves like that. On the week two, they, we are just watching them bite us. Kanako. <laughs> we couldn't move. The third week, we couldn't go to the field again. We were stuck in bed. It was me and Prophet Joshua. We're stuck in bed, so we only look at ourselves again. Then we turn. The only time we talk was, Joe, what do you say? <laughs> and during that time, uh, you'll be shocked because we didn't understand some of the things we understand today. You will see a chicken passing, and you'll see chicken. you see grilled chicken. Oh, it's not funny. You see a goat, you feel like the goat is already dead in your eyes. You'll be seeing visions of goat meat and kebab and lye soup. So, you know, the Bible says it is said that do not commit adultery. But if you look at the woman lustfully, you've already done it. That was what happened to her. We looked at the goat lustfully. 
Man, you are mine. I started imagining salads on the bed. Started imagining pizza. Started imagining jollof rice. I said, when I break, when I break. And I broke. I didn't eat all these things. The last for food was intensive. Because I didn't understand some technicalities. That it is best to always fast with water. We thought by the dry we were pleasing God more. And I'm going to come to see. You cannot go on a dry fast for more than three days. You die before your time. Because even Jesus didn't do that. So if you are working and fasting at the same time, you must be drinking water every 30 minutes. In fact, you must drink eight glasses of water if you want to still, still keep moving. So I've been on a fast. So I think I'm good to talk about fasting. And I'm telling you that the year I went on a 21 days fast, by the time I was done, see, I didn't see a single vision. And I was disappointed in myself and God at the same time. Because we suffered, paid the price, the pain. When I came back home, I was like one. I couldn't walk well. That was what brought me this high point because my haircut was very down. But now if I bring it down, my face will look like Scooby-Doo. So I had to raise it a little. Now it has become an eternal reality. <laughs> so this came by revelation <laughs> it came by pain it didn't come by thought or imagination some things come at the set by fasting and prayer <laughs> and my after I came back two weeks later in fact when I came back some monies entered into my bank account that I couldn't testify some of the sources. Julie, don't tap. <laughs> I was lying now at dawn. Around five, almost six o'clock, I received a phone call. I picked up the call. He said, hello, Isaac, how are you? I said, yes, sir, please, I'm fine. This is Prophet Achumanasi. And I, I, I jumped from the bed. I said, Daddy, I was shocked. He said, come and minister at my church. After the fast. And man, it was powerful. The Friday, he told me, I've started a Bible school. I want you to be part of the lectures. He doesn't know whether I've studied. Or, uh, if that one is another story altogether. After the fast. Some doors can only open in fasting and prayer. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you. And I was the first youngest man he has ever used for a major program in his church. I was the first youngest man. Nobody. Nobody. That man won't invite you. I was the youngest so far who he has used for a major program. One day I went to visit him at church. The moment I got there, he left the mic for me and left the church. He was tired, so he went to sleep and left the whole church for me. Some things can only happen by fasting. I'm telling you. That same year, in April, I received an invitation to Kenya. For the first time in my life, I saw a miracle I never saw before. Someone with a twisted uh, 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 waist, wearing braces. 
Apostle Victor, you remember? It was straightened. We removed the braces. The lady started walking and running. Huh. We went to about four different churches after. And we gone out for Holy Ghost baptism. Man, everybody and anybody that stepped forward was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. In the month of June, I received an invitation to come to India. Now, you think all these things is coming by chewing buffaloes? No, 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 no. Nobody will invite an African just like that when he doesn't know him to come to India and come and preach. Paid for ticket, paid for hotel. Everything is paid for. I didn't pay. Treated like a president. I said, God, I'm not coming to Ghana. Because Ghana for in Swadia. I won't come to Ghana again. And God said, Obeko. I went to India twice that same year. Twice. They paid for my, my groomsmen's dress and all the team. More than a thousand dollars. It was paid by them. I was introduced to a governor. I prayed for the governor and their wife. And she blessed me with gold. I'm just saying this to encourage you to know something. I ministered in over 18 churches within the two months. Prayed for over 30 families. Did over 30 church meetings in different towns. In fact, there was one town that we went to do a, a meeting there. The testimonies were so many that we had to stop the testimonies. Lamp in breast vanishes. People holding sticks and couldn't walk began to walk. People with eye issues began to receive their healings. Man, it was, it was, it was amazing. Never seen that in my life. For the first time, I saw a nine-year-old boy who has never spoken or heard begin to speak for the first time. Nine years. We went to one, one village there in India. I was ministering at the crusade. The crowd were gathered. Whilst ministry began raining. And the inhabitants of the land began going home. And I said, God, I can't have a crusade here for people to leave your presence. And God says, what are you waiting for? Speak to the rain. I said, me. Adam, yeah, Elijah. God said, speak to the rain. I said, what if it doesn't come? The people will say, I'm a false prophet. Speak to the rain. And I looked into the air. I said, in less than a minute, I command you rain to stop in the name of Jesus. I don't normally share these things on Facebook to look as if I'm bra bragging. In less than 30 seconds, the rain ceased. And the crowd that was going began to come back and they were all clapping. That day, 98% gave their lives to Christ. 98% of the crowd. Three months ago, I received a seed from India of a woman I prophesied to. For many years, she has not given birth. I prayed for her, prophesied to her because she, I didn't even know she was pregnant. I called her by the Spirit. Prophesied to her, this woman gave birth and she sent a seed. There was a woman I called by word of knowledge who has something like snakes walking in her stomach. She came, I tagged her stomach. I didn't even pray for long. The snake disappeared from her instantly. There was a man that had a broken bone, broken in administration. I prayed for the sick, the bone joined. What am I saying? I'm not trying to say that uh, fasting is only for power. I'm just letting you know that there are rewards 
in fasting. You might not see it instantly when you start, but something is bubbling up in the spirit. I'm telling you. And that same year, I received another invitation to go to Nigeria. Please. This is powerful. This is powerful. I began to receive supernatural understanding. And I told you the process of my, how my writing began. Within that same time, I, I released five books at a go. Now, I have 19 books. It, 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 it's not coming just like that. I can type five pages in an hour on an A4. I don't know. I can't explain it to you, but I can. I began a campaign on Facebook on some false teaching that was going on. I used my hand and phone to type everything. We put the articles together. It was 100 pages. When you make it into a book size, it's 200 pages in three weeks. It did not just come. I'm telling you. You know, many believers we have today, song ministers, pastors, prophets, church workers, have one problem. And they inherited it from something. In Judges chapter 16, the verse 20, I, I was like, God, please help me. The Bible says, and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, something. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And we, he wished not that the Lord had departed from him. You didn't get this. Many believers have inherited this from Samson. Samson was so used to the anointing upon his life because he knew when there was danger, the spirit came upon him. So Samson never prayed. Samson never spent time in God's presence. Samson never fasted. He, he depended on the experience he has seen the spirit moving in. And the day there was trouble, the Bible says... When he woke up, he says, I will do as before and shake myself. So, he had become used to the anointing and how the anointing operated. That when there was trouble, he didn't fear. He says, this is what I've been doing every time. Let me do it as normal. The Bible says he did not know that the spirit had left. Thank God the spirit cannot leave us. But there's a reality we need to understand. That you can get so used to your grace. You can get so used to your anointing. You can get so used to the gifts God has given you that you get to a time where you don't need God to administer it. I was there before as a teacher. I've studied so many things, I'm telling you. I've studied so many things. It got to a time when I receive an invitation, I don't study anymore. I just program my mind. Okay, salvation. Pa. I go. And I minister people still find the power of God. People are still blessed. Now, many song ministers don't need to spend time in the presence. They only need a good keyboardist or a trending song because those ones can appeal to the emotions of the people and people hear this like, oh, then they fall down. You can become like something and say, this is what I've been doing before. I mean, I, mean, I know the song to get into their heart. We don't need God. But guess what? You will need to depend on God with your gift for him to brood his life over it before you can administer that gift. I'm telling you. If not, your ministry is going nowhere. 
and there are so many ministers, ministries and ministers who are functioning by experience because they already know how it works. And don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Results can be deceptive. God told Moses to speak to the rock and Moses struck the rock. Water still came, but God was displeased. Saul disobeyed God and God took him out of the throne, yet he was still on the throne for more than 10 years. And I say this, that God is the only boss who can fire you and still keep you in office. There are many ministers who are functioning outside of the will of God. And guess what? They're still seeing results. So now we don't need the presence of God to breathe life and breathe upon a gift so that men can drink of that grace in our spirit beings. It takes fasting and prayer. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, the verse 20, if somebody is sleeping, tap the person. If somebody is sleeping, just tap the person. Tell the person, this is not a time for sleeping. Nobody asks you to eat kenki at 9 p.m. <laughs> if, the, if you tap the person, the person opens his eyes, the pastor says, I should tap you. If the person is having a, a, a scary wild face, tell him it's pastor, it's not you. He says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth. This is scary. Then he says, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Give that to me in amplified version. Please look at this. He says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also utensils of what? Wood and asanka. Now that's it. Earthenware is a sanka. And some for honorable and noble use. And some for what? Mania and ignoble. Look at the next verse. He says, So whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean, who separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences, will then himself be a vessel set apart and useful for honorable and noble purposes, consecrated and profitable to the master, fit and ready for any good work. What vessel do you want to be like? I need to ask you again. What vessel would you want to be? He says in every house, there are vessels of gold and silver and there are vessels of what? Earth and wood. Do you know that in your house, there are some places you don't serve to ordinary people? You serve to dignitaries and people who are valued to you. And there are some bowls. You know, you can eat bangu in Asanka, but when a visitor comes, you won't serve him in Asanka. So there are some utensils you use for honorable purposes to receive certain hosts. And there are some bowls you also use for the general use. When the area boys come, you give them Asanka. They're eating it. Now, if the president is coming to your house, you don't give him Asanka. You give him a very nice plate. He's saying it is so in the kingdom. Every believer is one of the two. It's either you are a Paris bow or you are an Asanka. But the Bible is telling us that you have a chance. How? 
when you begin to consecrate yourself, that means you begin to dedicate yourself, your time, onto spiritual things. He says, then you become a vessel of honor that is ready for the master's use. He didn't say to use the master. There are many Christians who are using God. Many Christians using God instead of allowing God to use them. What vessel would you want to be? Am I helping someone? Please don't forget this. Never forget what I'm about to share with you. There are two kinds of hunger in the New Testament. We have a hunger for salvation and a hunger for a walk with God. We call it the walk of faith. Please don't forget this. Before you met Jesus, there was a dying hunger within you. That hunger is the hunger for salvation. Without Christ, a man is spiritually hungry. He's destitute of his spiritual meat. That gives him spiritual sustenance. It is only in Christ that that hunger is quenched. So when a man receives Christ, the first phase of hunger has been dealt with. And you are born again. Jesus becomes your satisfaction. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believes in me shall never thirst. It's fulfilled. But guess what? There is a second phase of hunger. Which is the hunger for the pursuit of God. Very important. Is the hunger for what? The pursuit of God. The hunger of pursuing to know him. Is the hunger of a spiritual walk with God. That hunger is not by faith. A.W. Tozer said, to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. It doesn't make sense. We have found God. Why do we still pursue him? Why do you still hunger for God when he has satisfied us? The Bible says as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the world. The word desire means to crave to be hungry. Hebrews 11, 6. Bible says that he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The word diligently means hard work. It means vigorous. The word seek means to investigate. So the next realm of anger is the hunger for spiritual investigation to know God. And one of the things that stirs that spiritual hunger for more of God is fasting and prayer. It deepens your spiritual hunger. That is how if a believer realizes that he is lukewarm in the things of the spirit, he needs to go on a fast. You got to put this down. Nothing kills spiritual hunger quicker than the flesh. You might not hear most of these teachings outside because people don't teach them anymore. Nothing kills spiritual hunger quicker than the flesh. If the devil succeeds to get you functioning in the flesh, he does not necessarily need to attack you. Why? Because you are already defeated. You are already defeated to begin with. And you got to understand this. Food and excess pleasure will always be a hindrance 
to spiritual flow when it's not controlled. If somebody's sleeping, just stop the person. I'm telling you, you can't sleep here. Food and excess pleasure will always be a hindrance to spiritual flow or supernatural flow when not controlled. For your information, excess food can dull your spiritual senses. It can dull your senses. You become spiritually naive. You don't know what is going on in the spirit. Listen, spiritual things are spiritually tangible. And therefore, you will need something spiritual to engage in that which is spiritually tangible. And what am I saying? Now, I have physical eyes. They are my sense of sight. I have taste. It's my sense of taste. I have uh, uh, um, hearing and I have smell. These are physical senses. It's the same in the spirit. If my eyes can see this, my hands can touch it. My nose can smell it. Why? Because all my senses are working. But guess what? There are many believers whose spiritual senses are dull. They are rusted. They are on mute. They are on spiritual hibernation. So guess what? Something can be around. It, it doesn't mean the thing is not there. But because you lack the spiritual perception, spiritual sensitivity of sight, the thing may be there and you won't see it. Because you lack spiritual sensitivity of touch, the thing may be there but you can never have a hold of it. That's what is happening to many believers. Their spiritual senses have been dulled because of food and pleasure. A believer who is constantly feeding himself physically will be dulled in his spiritual senses. Spiritual activities are going on. Spiritual transactions are going on. But he's spiritually naive, blind. He doesn't sense anything. You tell a believer, lift up your hands and smell. I, I sense the Holy Ghost in here. It's like, which Holy Ghost? That guy is dull. And nothing awakens spiritual sensitivity. Nothing awakens your spiritual senses quicker than fasting and prayer. If you want to quicken your spiritual senses, you got to put yourself on a fast. I said this because I know the power of food. It was food that led to the fall of man. It was food that made a man trade his birthright and blessing. It was food. For temporal, uh, uh, temporal satisfaction and pleasure, he lost his birthright because of food. A muscle of bread. There are many Christians who have sacrificed spiritual realities for temporal, physical, senseless and, uh, and unsensible pleasures. They've, they've lost, they've traded spiritual realities for it. And I was surprised in the New Testament, he was not just called a glutton, he was called a, Esau was called a fornicator. I couldn't understand. His problem was that he traded spiritual reality and blessing for temporal satisfaction. Yet the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16, calls him a fornicator. Why will God call Esau a fornicator? He says, lest thereby be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. It was just food. Yeah, the Bible calls him a fornicator. You know what it means? 
A man who cannot control his desire and appetite for food cannot control his sexual appetite. I'm telling you. A man that cannot control his appetite for food cannot control his sexual appetite. Check yourself now. Check it. You got to understand that this body must be brought under control. It must be subjected. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27, you got to see this for yourself. Please watch. He says, but I keep my body. He says, but I keep under my body. This is Apostle Paul, the Apostle of Grace. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. So your body must not be in charge if you want to win in the game of deity. He says, lest that by enemies when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Please, please. You got to wake up to listen to what I'm about to say to you. Your body can make you disqualified in the reward system of heaven. This body. It can make you disqualified in the reward system of heaven. You can be a beautiful Christian and yet lose your reward because of this body. That's what he said. He says, I keep my body in subjection. In other words, if you don't control the activity and the desires of this body, it can affect you. It can disqualify you. In the reward system of heaven. This is scary. A man said that the body is a good and faithful servant, but a terrible master. I think I agree. The body is a good and faithful servant, but a terrible master. If you give in to your stomach, it will mess up your life. I'm telling you. So the Bible tells us to mortify the desires of the body. <laughs> you got to see this for yourself in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. The Bible tells us to mortify the deeds of the body. The desires. It says mortify therefore the members of your body which are on earth. And the word mortify means to kill or to deaden. I thought we are crucified with Christ. This is, not a spirit, this is not a spiritual reality telling us about what Christ did for us. This is what you must do to your body. He says, mortify therefore the members, which is your body, which are on earth. He says, you must kill it. Because God does not eat fufu and go to meat for you. You must mortify. You must kill it. Galatians 5, 16, 17. Watch this for yourself. He says, this, then I say, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the last of the flesh. Next verse. He says, for the flesh lasted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So he's telling us there's an inward warfare going on. Whilst you are killing the witches in your family, there's another war ongoing which you are ignorant of. It is a war between your, your flesh and your spirit living within no wonder the Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. In other words, your spirit loves to pray. Your spirit wants to read the word. Your spirit wants to spend time in God's presence. Your spirit wants to serve God. But guess what? There is a limitation called the flesh is weak. This flesh loves entertainment. 
Haven't you realized that if you are watching uh, Chelsea and Manchester United, the flesh is okay. He tells you, bro, carry on. You are doing well. When there is fried rice and chicken right before you, to, with a series that is sweating. You see it and like, you are happy. The flesh is excited. I come with the, the aroma. is too much. Hey. Your flesh loves pleasure. You'll be on social media. you see all the celebrities with their hips stand this way. And you're like, you are happy. Because you have seen the cleavage of a, a lady's uh, boom boom. And you are happy. The flesh loves pleasure and entertainment. It loves to be satisfied in that dimension. The moment you want to pray, all of a sudden, you begin to sleep. Haven't you wondered why? The moment you want to engage in spiritual activity, all of a sudden, there is a war. You wake up at dawn to pray, and all of a sudden, you are dozing off. You decide to fast. You see, the flesh without fasting can fast. Some are not getting it. But the moment you decide to fast, at 10 a.m., then the headache begins. You don't know what is happening. You don't like meat pie. But it starts to, the flesh tells you, hey, meat pie, pie. You don't like it, but like it. Like it. Eat pie. So, you don't like meat pie, but the meat pie becomes the flesh's way of letting you know you must eat. So, the meat pie gave you an introduction. By the time you go to the office, you buy that watch because the meat pie gave you a royal um, introduction. It helped you. The flesh hates spiritual activity. And when you are fasting, the flesh will tell you, bro, we are dying. Stop. How can you do this to us? We haven't eaten. It's 12 o'clock. We must eat. Your adrenaline, your, uh, everything within you begins to rebel. You tell them, move. He said, mm, won't go. And the, the flesh will trigger something in your mind. All of a sudden, your, your brains are aching you. You begin to feel dizzy. The flesh is attacking. Why? Because you wanted to engage in spiritual reality. The flesh will, will, it will stop you from entering into dimensions of the spirit. Because that is your only liberty and freedom. And he won't want you to do that. Please listen to me carefully. Food is good. It was created by God for man to enjoy. Right from the garden, God created all the trees, the fruits, the food, the animals, the water for him to drink. So eating and drinking was God's creation. And guess what? Food was designed to be man's essential essence for his physical survival. I'm going to say something deep here. So food was designed by God to, be, to become man's essential diet for physical survival. So food, see, money is not essential. Because you can have money without food, the money will mean nothing. Food is the most important delicacy for a man's physical survival. I hope you are aware. You can have $10 million in your account if you are thirsty. You, you, that money will mean nothing to you. Are you seeing that? So food and water is what? Very, it, is, it is the most essential. But guess what? When a man decides to push his food away, to seek God, to have a spiritual encounter, it scares hell. You know why? 
because he just pushed the most essential reality for his physical sustenance for God. That is called sacrifice. You didn't get this. You are telling God that God, food is the most important thing that keeps me surviving. But Lord, I know there is food, but I know spiritually that you are the one that keeps me surviving. That's the spiritual language of fasting. So I push my food away so that I make you the most important thing in my life. That's what fasting is. That's what fasting is. Nothing pleases God in this reality. Am I helping somebody? And you got to listen to this. You are not fully in control of your life if you are not fully in control of your appetite. You are not fully in control of your life until you are fully control, in control over your appetite. This is serious. You can't conquer your appetite, but you want to conquer a city for Christ. You are a joke. You can't conquer simple appetite. Yet, you are praying for God to give you kingdoms. When there is a kingdom right in front of you, down, on your belly, and you haven't conquered it. You can check the Bible in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. This thing scared me. He says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. If you don't have self-control over appetite, you are like a city that has no walls. So in Romans chapter 8, the verse 12, Paul says something. He says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh. So you don't owe the flesh a dime because out of the flesh comes nothing. He says to live after the flesh. Guess what? Next verse. He says, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. He's saying you should do it. I, I, is somebody getting this? There are some things God ain't going to do. You know why? Because he put you in charge. He won't do it. He says you by the Holy Ghost should mortify the deeds of the body. And like I told you, this body will prevent you from engaging in spiritual activity. And the only solution is for you to subdue it. And you can only overcome the flesh when you willingly subject it by spiritual authority. Am I helping somebody? When God got Israel out of Egypt, the first thing God began to deal with is their appetite. They have been eating garlic, onions, and stuff. So they were, their appetite in Egypt was very great. The next thing they found themselves in the wilderness is that they were thirsty and hungry. God was trying to change their appetite from earthly realm to the heavenly manner and the drink from eternity, which is called the spiritual rock. The first thing God dealt with was their appetite. Listen, after salvation, one thing that God wants to deal with in your life is your appetite. especially food appetite. You know, there's some people who are saying, God, open the door for me in South Africa. You, 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 you cannot stand seeing the tie of a fair lady. You want to go to South Africa. 
They'll bring your dead body back. Stop praying that prayer. You're just wasting your time. You cannot sacrifice breakfast and lunch. You want to go to South Africa to conquer nations. I'm teaching good here. So the Bible says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I wrote something very important down here. God, the first habit fasting breaks in your life is gluttony. It's the first thing fasting breaks in your life. Gluttony. You see, when you are on a fast, you lose yourself. You lose your mind. That's how come you can gather your breakfast, lunch and supper, and at 6 o'clock you eat all at a go. God is telling you you are having a gluten problem. You like food. You like food. After fast, you get extremely satisfied. And all the spiritual investments you made in the day, you lose all. Because you eat in gluttony. You just, your stomach is big. You belt. You can't wake up again at dawn. That's not a fast. See, I want you to enjoy from the fasting. So now when a fast is called, you are running. Because you know it's an opportunity to explore spiritual delicacies. Am I helping somebody? There are three desires of the body that can be killers when not controlled. The three desires are drink. Number two, food. Number three, sex. There are three desires in this body that when you don't deal with it, you're going to be in big trouble. In fact, they are the sources of most of the challenges we have as Christians. Most of the diseases people uh, go through, uh, hospital up and down, it is food. Alcoholism, it is drink. Sexual problems, it is sex. There are the three desires of this body that if you don't subject them, see, you're, see you are not a body, are you aware? You are a spirit. So, if you, if you give your body the chance to control your life, you are failed as a Christian. You are a body, not a spirit. So, you must tell your body who is in charge. You must let your body know who is in charge. That he ain't in charge. He does not take the pace. So, last week I gave some bomb. A Christian who eats Sunday morning before service is not serious. Oh, I'm telling you. A Christian who eats on Sunday morning. Look at my face. A Christian who eats on Sunday morning. See, any Christian you find sleeping on Sunday, either he went to work and he's tired, or he ate breakfast. Especially cocoa and buffalo. Oh, I'm telling you, you will sleep. I can prophesy your end from the beginning. You will sleep in Grand Star. And... See, nothing, nothing hurts a minister when he's giving spiritual things than for a believer to be sleeping. You, you eat on Sunday morning. Are you serious? Sunday morning, you are eating. How can you listen to the word of God? 
You were coming to receive spiritual food and you filled your stomach with food. You should be ashamed of yourself big time. Oh, I'm telling you, you should be ashamed of yourself big time. Stop eating on Sunday morning. Eat after church. And enjoy every spiritual reality you have. You see, he said, lift up your heads. You are too dull. The body is working because digestion has taken place early morning, 8 a.m. Lift up your hands. Oh. You are gone. Why do many Christians sleep during all night? Number one, stress. We understand. It's still not an excuse. Number two, they eat after 7 o'clock and they come for an all night. There's a way to prepare for an all night. By the grace of God, I, I pray almost every day I done. And there's a way I do it. If I'm not fasting, that means I'm going to eat as early as 4 p.m. By 8 p.m., I'm light. I can do anything. When I sleep, no matter how tired I am, 3 o'clock, I'm awake. See, put your body in check. Tell your body you are in charge of it. That evening hunger you have been feeling your stomach that I have to eat in no me. It is all last, last, last. Last. I'm telling you, it, it is not spiritual. Uh, Prophet Manasseh saw something I didn't understand, I now understand. Early morning hunger is canna. Oh, thank you. Uh, I know someone is looking at it. They said, uh, eat breakfast like a king. Queen, queen. Eat lunch as a prince and eat uh, supper as a servant. Continue. Continue. Let the world. It's the doctor that said it all. Hey, 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 hey. Beware. You hear what I said? I said what? Beware. There are some faces that are looking at me. I can't see your face because of the nose mask, but I rebuke in Jesus' name. You can't intimidate me like that. Cover myself in the blood of Jesus. Oh Lord Jesus, you are my salvation. You are my shield and my protector. The lifter up of my head. You are not a body trying to have supernatural experiences. You are a spirit having natural experiences. This is serious. You are not a body trying to have supernatural experiences. You are a spirit that is having natural experiences. You got to think this way. That is how come you got to understand that fasting is a discipline. Fasting is a sacrifice. Fasting is a spiritual exercise. And no, no physical workout is easy. It's the same with fasting. Fasting is a strategic positioning that strengthens your glory energy. Fasting is part of God's chastisement plan for your life. There are many Christians who don't want to be spiritually disciplined. Anything goes for them. But listen, God chastises those he loves. He disciplines them. And one of the things God disciplines in your life is your appetite for food and pleasure. 
And someone says, man of God, Paul didn't really experience that, but he still gave revelation. Go and find out from the Bible. When Apostle Paul got born again, he went to Arabia for 14 years for God to deal with him before he came back preaching. When God wanted to use Moses, God had to take him out of Egypt, the place of pleasure, and God took him to the wilderness to take out Egypt from him before he became usable. David had to go through the wilderness for God to make him turn sheep before he could take care of the sheep of Israel. Before God uses anybody in a higher dimension, in every field you find yourself in. So don't say, I'm, not, I'm a pastor. No, there was a man called Thomas Akempis. That man was a, he said, he was a dishwasher. But when he's washing dishes, he cultivated the presence of God to so an extreme that people came to gather as crowds watching him to wash dishes. So you can't give me an excuse that you are not called into ministry. In every area you find yourself, you can command the authority of God. You can command the presence of God. When you understand the key, see, God will chastise you. Because until God deals with your appetite, there are some things he cannot trust into your care. You can't put your bed away at 4 a.m. Ahead of Apostle Babalola, when he wakes up at dawn to pray, I was told of one account when he was feeling dizzy. He was feeling sleepy. For him to tame the flesh, he went outside and gathered many stones that were broken and he knelt in it. Let's see if the flesh will sleep. Then he will pray for hours. See, do anything possible that will help you to stay awake to pray. Do anything. If you have to bath at dawn, brush your teeth to be able to pray, do it. Someone says, man of God, I've tried all. <laughs> Let me tell you what to do. Let me tell you what to do. <laughs> Let me tell you what to do. Should I tell you? Die. So in Hebrews chapter 12, from the verse 6, it tells us God's chastisement system. You know, many Christians who understand grace don't, don't know that there is a place for chastisement. God disciplines you. Your work with God can be so... See, the Holy Ghost is not just... He doesn't just treat you like a father. He's a disciplined disciplinarian. There are times he can tell you not to watch TV for three months. You don't know this thing. When he's dealing with you, when he's trying to work on you, when he's preparing you. You see, the problem of this generation is that we are not hungry again. Our hunger is dead. Our hunger for spiritual things is gone. We are not more hungry. You can't endure a one-hour teaching. And uh, the funny thing you hear people saying that is that the human mind cannot take any teaching about 45 minutes. But the human mind can take three-credit-hour lecture. You are cannot. Those days in the book of Acts, Apostle Paul preached all night from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. To an extent that someone even dozed. He fell from the story building and died. Paul. Man of God, you teach for long. You haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> you can watch Black Panther two hours, 40 minutes. And you finish and you're like, hey, Black Panther. 
You can watch season movie for 17 hours and you are still not satisfied. Even at that time, you have not eaten. You don't feel bad. Are you okay? Are you feeling okay? There's a problem with this generation. The young guys God is preparing are all watching TV. The devil has got them logged on Facebook. They just get some five city credit and they type the goodness of God. Then at dawn, you wake up at dawn and you are checking who is liking it. You upload. You see, you see, the devil can create a good platform. You see, WhatsApp status. You put your picture there. It is well with my soul. Then you are checking how many people have viewed. How many people have viewed? They are checking. 100 views. Today, I'm breaking record. Oh, keep breaking. Keep, keep breaking. So, everything is taking your time. Instagram takes one hour of your time a day. Facebook takes two hours of your time a day. WhatsApp status takes three hours of your time a day. Yet, he said you don't have time to pray. Look at you. Look at you. Man of God, I don't know. Pray for me. I think I need spiritual revival so that I can revive my prayer life. Put off your phone. The prayer life will revive. Put off your phone. I'm telling you. God does not use people that way. I'm telling you. God doesn't use people that way. Right from the beginning, God hates relaxation and the sense of comfort. He hates it. Have you forgotten the day David relaxed from fighting war was the day he committed adultery? Relaxation has never been God's goal. Because when a believer gets to a place where he's comfortable with where he is, there's danger. I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. You're joking. He will forbid you. The Holy Ghost will discipline you. He says, for whom the Lord love, he chastises. The word chastise is discipline. It's a training. And scourged every son whom he received. Look, look at the next verse. He says, for ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chastised not? So it's not everything God says, oh, I love you, my son. The love of God for you will change your life. Hey, chastisement is part of the training process. Look at the next verse. God can put you in, a, in an uncomfortable state. He says, but if ye be without chastisement, whereof are ye partakers? Then ye are what? Bastards! And no sons. Anybody that is not experiencing the chastisement of God, God calls him a spiritual bastard. Next verse. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them what? Reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? So your spiritual survival is in your chastisement. Look at the next verse. He says, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit. So that, listen, God's chastisement does not punish you. It polishes you. That we might be partakers of his holiness. So when God is chastising and disciplining you, he's not punishing you. He's polishing you. Look at the next verse. He says, now no chastening for the present seemed to be what? Joyous. Nobody will be happy when you're fasting. 
your face will look pale. You will lose weight. People will complain. What is wrong? You are not handsome again. Sweetie, what is wrong with you? This is not how I knew you. How do you want to know me? Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Next verse. He says, wherefore lift up the hands which, are, which hang down and the feeble knees. The purpose of chastisement is to lift you up on your feet spiritually. Because without it, you will have feeble knees. Am I helping somebody? So the Holy Ghost will make you deliberately lose pleasure in certain things. He will take you through chastisement. And one of them is fasting. Leonard Ravenhill said something. He says, eat as little as you can. Sleep as little as you can. But fast, pray, and study as much as you can. This is a man that prayed for six hours every day. He studied for eight hours every day. So 14 hours of his time in a day was for God. I tell somebody, you can practice God's presence even in your office. You can be so conscious of God that you can be busily working in your company with a computer, yet your heart is for the Lord. When you are in a fast, all the times that you waste to watch your phone, God is saying when you're in a fast, use that time to pray. Am I helping somebody? Tell somebody, fast! And pray. Amos 6.1 says, Woe unto them that have ease in Zion. You can't have ease in your Christian life. You can't have comfort in your Christian life. It is deadly. This generation has lost the revelation of rest in Christ. I've told you rest is only for, for salvation. We only rest in salvation because we don't do anything for it. But in our Christian journey, there's no rest. There is no rest in your prayer life. You can't rest in prayer. You wrestle in prayer. You labor in prayer. Have you forgotten? When the Bible speaks of Epaphroditus, who, who harmed himself by laboring much in prayer. When Paul said, pray without ceasing, he's telling you like the breath of a man keeps him surviving. The prayer life of a man keeps him spiritually surviving. If there's anything to hate, it's much food and much sleep. I'm almost done. Now, let me explain fasting. In five minutes or ten minutes, we pray. Are you ready? You, you came here to learn or you came here to receive? Thank you. Fasting is a sacrifice God designed for our lifting. It's a sacrifice God designed for our lifting. Therefore, fasting is not a gift. It is a sacrifice. Fasting is not a gift of the Spirit. Father, give me grace to fast. My friend, fast. It's not a gift. It's a sacrifice. What is sacrifice? Anything you forego that is valuable for another valuable thing. That's sacrifice. If someone says, my work does not give me the time to fast, then it's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. Because anything you sacrifice, you forgo it. It is very valuable to you, yet you forgo it. 
Praise God. See, Christianity is not worth a dime when there is no sacrifice. Please, this will help in your Christian journey. Christianity is not worth a pin without sacrifice. If you are willing to sacrifice nothing in your Christian journey, you will go nowhere. Because the Christian life is a life of sacrifice. In fact, the foundation of Christianity came by a sacrifice. The sacrifice of Christ. That means our constant survival will depend on the sacrifices we make to spend time with God. Please, no two ways about this. Apostle Paul understood this. No wonder he said that that I may know him. The power of his resurrection, the end there, the fellowship of his suffering. There are sufferings in Christ. And as part of the sufferings in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, 27, Paul says in fastings, often, the apostle of grace was telling us that he was an often faster. That means anybody who truly believes in grace must fast often. Because Paul is your example in this matter. So you wonder, Jesus fasted, apostle Paul fasted, why would you fast? That means you are proud. Are you following me here? See, see, give yourself to at least twice in a week on fasting. It will change your life forever. At least twice a week. That's how I started. It was twice a week. Then it grew to three times in a week. All of a sudden, it moved to five times. And for the past three months, it is six days in a week until we enter into a 31st. So by the end of this month, I'll, I'll be on a constant 90-day fast. And uh, you can't imagine the spiritual blessedness of what I gained in this spiritual business or transaction. You have no idea. You have no idea. Please write this down. Fasting is not abstinence from food. This is very shocking. Man of God, so if fasting is not abstinence from food, what is fasting? Fasting is abstinence from food to seek God. Did you get it? Fasting is not abstinence from food. Fasting is abstinence from food to seek God. In other words, when there is no seeking or there is no spiritual purpose in the fast, it is called starvation. Did you get that? Good. So, as food is to our physical sustenance, fasting is to our spiritual growth. You got to understand that fasting is part of spiritual exercise. It toughens your spiritual muscles. Don't fast because there is trouble. Of course you can fast when there is trouble. But you see, you can fast to prepare for it. So when it hits you, you have all the capacity to stand. Because fasting builds spiritual capacity. Am I helping somebody? You got to write this to that. Fasting... It's not hungering for food. Rather, it is hungering for God. When you fast, 
You are telling God that you are so hungry for him that your pleasures mean nothing to you. That's what you are telling God when you push your food away. That you hunger for him so much that your food doesn't mean anything to you. That's fasting. You are willing to deny yourself the things you find pleasurable so that you can focus on him. Can you lose a meal for God? Next. Fasting is the willful abstaining from natural pleasure for spiritual purpose. It's the willful abstaining from natural pleasure for spiritual purpose. Is this a number or what? What is 2483? 2483. Is it a car number or something? Or is it a telephone, part of a telephone number? 2483. 2483. What was that? 2483. Okay, we're going to pray for her. What? Whose car? It's a car number. Whose car is that? Uh, you can clap your hands, eh? What, what car is that? Is it a big car or a small car? 2483. I was just preaching, the Holy Ghost interrupted. Please sit around here. We're going to pray for you now. Is it a 2020 car? 2020 registration? 2020. I'm going to pray for you. So be around. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's finish this thing. Alright, so where was I? So fasting is the willful abstaining from natural pleasures for a spiritual purpose. So you get to understand that fasting is not only fasting from food. It can also be TV or anything you find pleasure in. Are you following this? I didn't say don't watch movie again in your life. Oh. What I'm saying is that there are times you put them away for spiritual purposes. Because sometimes these things can affect your spiritual relationship. That's why there's a need for a fast. Alright, next. Fasting is to deny earth to taste heaven. 
In other words, I want God so bad that I'm willing to lay aside what I love the most. That's a serious thing. That's why I tell people that love is not a confession. Oh Lord, we love you. If you claim you love God and cannot push your food away, you are just being a hypocrite. You are just confessing. You don't mean it. Are you following this? Fasting, next, is a personal commitment to renounce the natural to invoke the spiritual. It's a personal commitment to renounce the natural to invoke the spiritual. Also, fasting is the dedication to a period of time to devote oneself for the spiritual priority of prayer and fellowship through the word without food and pleasurable activities. Maybe you can write this down. <laughs> it's a sign you are not sleeping, so I'm fine. So get this. Fasting in itself is not a command. But it's a spiritual requirement for spiritual advancement. Okay? Very important. If you are a disciple of Christ, you will fast. If you are a bride of Christ, you will fast. Jesus prophesied that when the groom is taken away, they will fast. So it's a spiritual requirement for spiritual advancement. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you pray, then he says, when you give, then he says, when you fast. This is a threefold cord, an unbreakable cord. That means if you believe in prayer, you will give. If you believe in giving, you will fast. If you believe in fasting, you will give. If you believe in giving, you will pray. They, they move together. So you fast, you give, you pray. These are spiritual weapons that makes a man. Fasting, prayer, and giving. And Jesus spoke about all of them. He says, when you fast. In other words, it is expected of you to fast. So fasting is part of the things we do for love. And you can write this down. Fasting is being homesick for God. Fasting is being homesick for God. Oh Lord, help me to finish this. I thought I was going to get time to talk about the kinds of fasting. So, you got to understand that fasting is not dieting. So I'm sure some of you are using this 30 days fast to diet. It's not for slaving cause. Okay? It means you replace your meals with the word of God, prayer and worship. That's fasting. You got to understand that you cannot fast and live your normal life and do the normal things you were doing when you were not fasting. That's not fast. So, if you are not fasting in those times, you are always on your phone, always watching TV, always watching uh, soap operas, always watching Cosby, always watching Jennifer's Diary, and you are fasting and are doing the same thing. You are not fasting. You are just delaying your meals. Praise God. I'm finishing. Fasting requires time with the Lord. It requires time with the Lord. If your fast does not give you time for the Lord, you just doubt yourself. That's like if you're a worker 
and you are fasting, you sacrifice your break time for prayer. You don't go and accompany your friends to go and eat. Already you are bringing temptation to yourself. Yeah. I'm helping you. Fasting is a spiritual exercise. And every exercise is not easy. Try jogging for the next five minutes. And you'll feel sorry. No exercise is easy. It's the same with fasting. Someone says, man, when I fast, I get hungry. Do you get hungry? You will be hungry. You will yawn. For the first time, you begin to feel dizzy. And in the, I'm going to be teaching you the guidelines of fasting. The reason why you begin to feel dizzy when you're fasting from 6 to 6 for the first 3 days is because toxic waste is now beginning to get out of your body. So it is reacting with your body. After 3 days, if it continues, it will just vanish away. And unfortunately, many Christians stop there and they say, no, me me fast ya, na me tia me ya. You couldn't wait for the toxic to come out of you. Fasting creates a spiritual climate in which the presence of God begins to flourish in you. Fasting creates a spiritual climate in which the presence of God begins to flourish in your life. I'm saying this in conclusion. Fasting is the most important part of your prayer life. Maybe you can put this equation down. Prayer is the most important part of your spiritual life and fasting is the most important time t- uh, part of your prayer life. Let me repeat that again. Prayer is the most important part of your spiritual life. And fasting is the most important part of your prayer life. Why do I say this? Because what fuel is to fire, fasting is to prayer. Anything prayer does, fasting facilitates. It amplifies the effect of your prayer. So fa- uh, prayer is the fire, fasting is the fuel. Okay? So fasting is a spiritual booster to your spirituality. Is someone getting something? So anything that yields spiritual results comes with a physical price. Very important. Anything that yields spiritual results comes with a spiritual price. You have a meeting with the governor of Ghana to sign a contract. Go on a fast. Because there are some people who are visiting some occultic powers to win that same contract. That's how you connect. So every believer must cultivate the habit of fasting. Next week, I'm going to be teaching you the kinds of fast. So you understand, we have normal fast, we have partial fast, we have absolute fast, we have supernatural fast, we have private fast, congregational fast, national fast, regular fast, occasional fast. All these things are, I'm going to be teaching them. By the time we are done, you are going to get all the teaching and start listening to them over and over again. It will shape your entire life. Please, will you fast? Will you fast? Yes, ask the person sitting beside you. The, the, the guy that just woke up from sleep, ask him. Will you fast? When we finish the teaching, just woke up. 
I'm picking you prophetically now. The moment we finish now, you are up. Ask the person sitting beside, will you fast? Tell him, fast for me, okay? Please, begin now. As you heard that Apostle Barbarola started 40 days fast, please, don't, don't try to convince yourself that you are going to challenge and break his record. We will bury you in 2021. <laughs> Start from somewhere. Before you come to 40 days fast, you must have fasted three days on water before. You must have fasted, you must have fasted 14 days on water before. You must have fasted for 21 days on water before, before you get there. Don't go and start something you can't finish. So, don't allow, see, you know, this generation, we want everything. Microwave Christianity. I want to become like Baba Lola. I want to become like uh, Apostle Sarkodie. Please, don't deceive yourself. It has taken them years. So start from somewhere. You can start with fasting from six to three twice in a week. With time, it will begin to awaken your spiritual hunger. Then you go to six to six. Then you realize that you are breaking your own record. You'll be shocked that, ah, I'm working and I'm fasting, but I'm okay. Yeah, the body is not getting used to it because you are now telling the body I'm in charge. So in the mornings, the body will start saying, you know, I tell you that this early morning hunger, it is the mechanism of training that you have given to the body. The body knows you eat at 10 a.m. So at 10 a.m., there are gastric acids that are ready to receive food. So they give you a signal that you are hungry. But you are not hungry. It's a normal routine. You are being reminded. So when you say, no, no food is coming to you. 10-5. He said, hey, we are hungry. He said, no, no food is coming to you. 10-15. Boss, if you, hey, boss, <laughs> provide. Then it will send gastric acid. Pew! They realize that you are hungry. Say, ready? I'm not, I'm not eating. I'm not eating. He said, boss, eat. We are hungry. Feed us. He says, no, I am feeding you today. That's how come we have something called consecrating to fasting. You dedicate yourself that if it's six to six, even if I collapse, I'll continue. That's dedication. You dedicate yourself. Many Christians are loose. They've decided to do 14 days. All of a sudden, something happened across the road. They say, eh, me? I, I, I won't do it again. <laughs> Don't be that kind of Christian. Give yourself spiritual records and be breaking them. I've broken my prayer records every single time. Four years ago, I started praying 12 hours. It moved to 15 hours. This year, by the grace of God, I broke my 18-hour prayer last year. I prayed for 24 hours consistently. Now, don't look at my face like that. It came by grace. When I said 24 hours, I'm not saying I slept for one hour. I prayed for 24 hours continuously, 2 a.m. to 2 a.m. It was after that prayer that I changed because before I was about to end, I saw a vision of a hand holding a human heart. But this time, the human heart was a metal and it Entered into me. I came out of the vision. Since that time, something has happened to my prayer life. See, it is when God sees the effort of your prayer life that he assists you. When he sees the efforts you are making, it's not easy, but you are trying. Your work is very vigorous. You are still moving on water. Always carry water. I've told you, be drinking water. You see, I realize that when you are fasting, your urine is more yellow. Because it is getting tox toxins out of you. There is food that has been in your stomach, your lining stomach, for the past four years, five years, it's still there. 
when you fast, the body releases gastric acids. Because there's no food coming in, the gastric acids are forced to enter into the lineries of your stomach and they begin to bend them all down. That's why sometimes you feel like flatulating, boom, 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 when you're fasting. You'll be doing that. It is not the Spirit of God doing that, but your body is reacting. <laughs> so you realize that in the office, all of a sudden, the thing is going to come, you are with employees, or you are, and you are like, hmm. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It is, it is the fasting getting toxic waste out of your system. So the body in itself already produces acids. That's like when you're on a long fast, you don't take acidic food. There are some of you who start fasting from 6 to 6 and you'll be eating pineapple. Boss, you have ulcer with success. You don't take orange on a fast. Very dangerous. Please, I'm advising you before I end because some of you, maybe today is the last time you're coming here. So that you don't take this revelation and go and start. Don't eat orange on a fast. You will kill yourself. If you go on a long fast, don't eat bread. I'll be explaining. Don't take pineapple. Don't eat bread. If you're going to take a juice, you, it must be, if you're going to take some fruit, it must be banana or pawpaw. If it's going to be a juice, grape juice, but make sure that you dilute it. If you're going to have runny stomach. So I'll be teaching on partial fast. There are some of you, no matter the teaching we teach, you can't fast, absolute fast. I understand. Maybe you have a health challenge. Don't force yourself. You can do a partial fast. Where instead of eating three times in a day, you eat only once in a day. That one itself is not heavy. There are some who say they are doing fruit fast, but the fruit is about 25 fingers of <laughs> banana. That is food itself. There's a million fruit fast too. <laughs> uh, 25 fingers of banana. 10 pawpaws. Boss, it is food though. <laughs> you are eating. You are eating. It's a complete food you are eating. So don't say you are doing food fast and you are just eating every fruit available. No. There are sometimes you can do only fruit juice fast. That's a partial fast. So you can take only fruit juice. You dilute a bit, you'll be taking a sip in it just for strength to be able to carry. Because, see, without prayer, your fasting is useless. So if you realize you cannot do anything at all, you can just dilute some juice and then drink it. That sugar will revive you. But make sure it doesn't have acid in it. I'm done. Next. We are going to pray. We are going to pray. See, you know, most of the time you go for all night and, you know, you are waiting to bind demon. You have, bind, you have binded and bounded for too long. We are going to do something else. You are in LGCCO. We are going to deal with demonic stuff. We'll do with it. But there's something I want us to do. You know, there are some Christians who are praying for breakthrough. But the actual breakthrough is God dealing with some things in your heart. God cannot open financial doors for you when you are not financially faithful. Are you aware? So some Christians are just wasting their time in prayer. That's the issue. God cannot open a door for you for promotion when you have insulted all your colleagues in your realm. Now, somebody is watching me now. So the actual breakthrough you need is humility. And that's what you should be praying about. You are going to pray that God, please search my heart. 
if there's anything that saddens you, Lord, please help me deal with it. It was on this fast I realized that I had many problems I did not know. I started my journey of fasting so that I can increase in spiritual power. The Lord has destroyed all my ambitions. I realized that I was rather being ambitious. I was, I was trying to prepare myself for fame. The Holy Ghost killed me. There are sometimes you may begin a journey of fasting for a certain spiritual dimension. But before you realize, that fast is changing you. There were times after preaching, I called people, how did you find the message? They said, oh, man of God, you are a very great teacher. Then I was drinking of that spiritual fans. And I was getting okay. How did you find the message? It was, hey, man of God, you are the deepest man we say. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I'm deep. <laughs> Fasting exposed me. I'm telling you. See, there are some things lingering in your heart. Eh? There are some of you, eh, your, your Christian life, you want fame. You want to become a popular man of God. Fasting will deal with you. In, in the kingdom, eh, we don't look for fame. We look for God. In that process, he makes us famous. Oh, I'm telling you. So, your fellowship with the Lord. Now, it becomes so evident that others want to drink from you. In that process of others following you, you become famous. You didn't begin to look for it. So, any ambition in you, let God kill it then your heart can be open for him to move. Yeah, some of you, it is pride. Fasting will expose all your pride. It was in fast I realized that I've been boasting, but I didn't know. I've been boasting to my friends that, oh, God did so many mighty things in this, in this meeting. It was very, very powerful. I, I was trying to make myself relevant to them so that they would put me in a certain pedestrian in their heart. Fasting exposed me. You might think you are okay. You might think for, from Monday to Friday you have not done any bad thing. You have no idea what is lingering in your heart. That envy. That envy. When you see the progress of another man of God. You see the progress of your colleague. When you see the progress of somebody you, you began with. And the person has gone higher than you. He has finished building his house. He is married with kids. And you are not married. And all of a sudden, thoughts begin to come into your mind. You begin to envy the person in your heart. See, let fasting expose it. In fact, let today's prayer expose it because it will destroy your life. It will destroy your ministry. It will destroy your spirituality. These things are things in the heart. We call them respectable sins. They are the sins people don't look at. Yet, they are sins that destroy the lives of people. There are many Christians committing one great sin called the sin of ingratitude. They begin to see the progress of others and they feel God has done nothing for their lives. And they look at themselves and say, look, what have you done, God? What have you done for me? Nothing. Look at my life. I'm still having one shoe. You have done nothing for me. Look at all my friends. It is a great scene called ingratitude. If you look at yourself, that one big beans inside is a blessing. And you got to thank God for it. That's what the Bible says. Giving thanks to God always in all things. Because God knows that there will be bad times. But if you can give God thanks in the bad times, I'm telling you God will explode your life. I just want you to bow down your head in some five minutes and pray that God search my heart. Whatever brings an offense in my walk with you, whatever saddens your heart, whatever I find unpleasurable lingering in me. You may be a, a, in Christian service, you may be an usher, you may be, you may be a prayer warrior, but you realize that there is last battling with you. You got to understand that fasting moves with your heart. 
you can fast 10,000 days but until God deals with the root of the flesh in your life your fasting cannot speak volumes in your spirituality I want you to pray that God please get rid of this this pride that when people correct me and I'm, I'm offended that people correct me I'm offended that people draw my attention to my weaknesses I, I fail to accept my mistakes when my siblings draw my attention to my weaknesses I rather insult them begin to pray that God search my heart you have no idea how powerful this prayer is it can change your whole life it can change your whole life it can change your whole life It can change your whole life. It can change your whole life. You have no idea how powerful this prayer is. When God gets hold of your heart, you can become a true vessel. Lord, I don't like this pornography. It is affecting my spirituality. I know I'm forgiven, but I'm not happy about engaging in a practice that doesn't bring glory to you. Lord, I don't like this masturbation because I realize that it's affecting my life. It can't continue anymore. Lord, I call on to you to help me. You can call out the thing in your heart that you know is not bringing glory to God. Ask God to search your heart. It can be ambition. Some of you, it can be ambition. You want to be the greatest man of God. You want to be the one who should be above all your friends in ministry. Talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus, come on. And ask him to destroy all your ambitions. And let his purpose be fulfilled in your life. All the men that had fame in the Bible were men who were not looking for it. In their journey of pursuing God, they became famous. It was a gift God gave to honor them. Just pray. Maybe your problem is your lukewarmness. Please, if you're feeling sleepy, don't bow down your head. Rise up on your feet if you're feeling sleepy. Because you can't be sleeping. This is a spiritual journey. You can't sleep. Don't trade your spiritual experience for a muscle of sleep. If you realize that sleep is going to rob you, get up on your feet. Because this is not a joke. I want to pray to the Lord and tell God, God, get rid of this thing lingering in my heart. This ambition, this pride, this envious lifestyle where I'm measuring myself and comparing myself to my friends where I'm intimidated at the progress of others where I just lie I can just lie and don't understand why I'm lying talk to Jesus because God cannot use you to your full capacity with lies in your life because you will misrepresent him to others pray Parusu kapai, melaluku frandis topranda, 
Bundiska Bowski Ningi Dan Dolas Pratege Sutiga. Come on, pray this prayer. I want you to open your mouth and pray. Tell the Lord to search your heart. Ask Him to help you. Come on, talk to the King. 